Hello and welcome to our final weekday edition of Golf Talk Canada. These shows have been very fun to do throughout uh, June and July. NHL is coming back, so Leaf Lunch, Leafs Lunch is coming back next week. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off today. Bob, there's tons going on in the world of golf right now, but first of all, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well, but I'm not doing as well as you, Mr. 69. Holy oh. smokes, this guy just ripped it oh. up at Bayview yesterday, broke par for the first time on your home course, and not only broke it, but smashed it. Congratulations. Well, I, I appreciate the kind words. I'm sure we'll, we'll get into the round a little later in the show. Shot by shot. Shot by shot. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was actually broadcasted uh, yesterday on TSN 8, the Ocho. So uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll do a full recap uh, of that. But no, it was fun to go under par yesterday. Uh, the handicap went down a couple shots yesterday as well, I'll which bet. was fun. Uh, and spe- speaking of, uh, of going low, Bob, before we get into news and headlines here, how about Team Canada early on <laughs> at the Workday Charity Open? Uh, there are three in the top seven right now. For a little while, we had the uh, Ledgeview Club Championship going on with uh, Adam Hadwin and Nick Taylor at one point were tied for the lead. Uh, Adam has still maintained he's still in the lead, but uh, tied with Hideki Matsuyama the last year. I'm, I changes every 30 seconds, so I, as I'm talking to you, it couldn't have changed. But Nick Taylor just uh, one shot back, and Corey Connors there tied for eight at three under. So it's uh, it's a great day for the Canadians. And, you know, we were talking about this um, earlier this week. In fact, I did something on SportsCenter last night talking about how great the Canadian performances have been so far since the restart. Corey Connors was in the hunt going to Sunday on both the first two. Mackenzie Hughes with the third place finish at the Travelers. And then last week, Adam Hadwin finishing up uh, Eagle Birdie for a tie for fourth. So uh, it's great, great start for the Canadians or great restart for the Canadians. Yeah, it certainly is a great restart for the Canadians so far. We'll continue to update you all on the Canadians as they play. Adam Hadwin has one hole left. He is uh, he is on his last hole, the ninth hole. It started on the back nine. 147 yards left in the fairway, so a good position to attack for birdie for Adam Hadwin. There's been a lot of uh, other uh, wild rounds so far. Uh, Brooks Kepka, Chase Kepka, Bubba Watson, Jason Day's playing well. It's been a while since he's played well. We're going to get into them a little later in the show, but first, Bob, it's time to hit some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by the McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada. Tomorrow's stars today. Okay, Bob, so this news broke about two hours ago, and it was something that a lot of us saw coming, and that is Tiger Woods. He is finally going to be playing PGA Tour golf again about five months since his last appearance at the Genesis Invitational. He will be in the, in the, in the lineup. He'll be playing next week at, uh, at Muirfield Village. Obviously, we haven't seen him in a while. We saw him at the match, and he looked pretty darn good at the match, but obviously that was at his home, his home golf course. What are your expectations for Mr. Woods next week? Well, I think the, uh, the last time we saw him, he was uh, in a professional t- in a tournament. He was uh, playing at the Genesis at Riviera, and he did not look very good. And if anyone has benefited from the, the, the shutdown, it's been Tiger Woods, who's had a chance to get healthy. And when that does happen, he usually comes back uh, ready to go. So we saw him, as you said, at the match. There's been a couple of other swings leaked on uh, social media here and there. 
but he looks good. I mean, listen, he's he looks good. Obviously, he's feeling good or feeling no pain. Uh, we'll find out oh, for sure next week when he comes in. But uh, he's playing on a course where he's won five times. Uh, you got to like what what you see so far. And this was kind of expected. I think this is the betting favorite, the Memorial to Tournament, to see him come back to play. And uh, I think it's going to be uh, interesting to, to watch him. It will certainly be interesting to watch him at a course that he has won five times at it. And, Bob, this seems like a course as well where – you know, there are some holes you can bomb it on, but there are a lot of holes where the greens are fairly small and undulating and they'll be cranked up to about 13 next week on the stint meter, where this seems like a, a perfect course for Tiger to come back and sort of, you know, plot his way around the golf course in this, you know, what, Tiger 4.0 era of, of his own game, right? Yeah, the only thing for Tiger to get used to will be the new protocols. He has not experienced them like a lot of these other players have. He won't know exactly all the rules or the swab test or, um, you know, where you go, how you have to go here or there or stay, whatever, wherever he's going to stay. I'm sure he'll probably rent a home and have a chef like uh, he does normally at a lot of tournaments. But it's um, other than that, mm -hmm. you know, this will be a familiar place for him. And, uh, and I think he's kind of anxious to get going, judging by... The excitement in that tweet, um, I think he sort of hit the nail on the head. He said it's good, look, going to be good to get back out there and see the guys. And uh, he's been apart from that fraternity for a while now. So even aside from just playing golf, I think being around the golf is uh, is going to be good for him. Yeah, and hopefully Tiger travels with his own pillow. We saw a couple of years ago at Carnoustie where he, he was sleeping on a bad pillow. I had, had to wear some of that KT tape. Uh, but uh, looking forward to finally seeing Tiger Woods playing some competitive golf next week. And speaking of competitive golf, Bob, the European Tour, it's back. The Austrian Open, uh, maybe the, not the greatest of, uh, of leaderboards, but uh, Joost Lauten, or Luton, depending on how you want to pronounce that, he is your leader so far. And as we discussed uh, both on the video pos podcast, which was launched uh, yesterday, and on Golf Talk Canada Radio this past Tuesday, a lot of uh, interesting names uh, in this event before some of the bigger names will play in a couple weeks, right? Yeah, this one is, uh, what's the best way to put it? It's not, the, it's, they used to have a saying on Saturday Night Live, they used to call them the not ready for primetime players. And there's a lot of guys, they had to go pretty deep down the uh, the, the exemption list to finally uh, fill this field. But you're right, Joost Leuten, uh, seven under is in there, Craig Howie, who's kind of a recognizable name. For if you follow the European Tour, he is anyway, I guess. Um, so there's, and you know, Jose Maria, uh, no, who's in? Anyway, there's there's some names you'll see, but there's a lot of names in there that you don't see. And I think uh, the fact that you had to travel to Austria for this one, whereas the first six events, which will start the week after next, uh, will all be played inside England. I think a lot of players just decided, okay, we're going to sit these first two out and, and we'll join up uh, when it's all under the one bubble. Yeah, and, and the name you're thinking of there, Miguel Angel Jimenez, uh, four under Thank 68 in mechanic. round one. I'm sure, knowing him, he probably had that elaborate warm-up where he was moving his knees together, and now he's probably just enjoying a nice puff of a cigar and perhaps a nice glass of Brunello at the same time. But Bob, Rioja, the bigger... Rioja, that's his name. <laughs> Rioja. Yeah. Rioja, okay, well, Rioja. The, the big news... Earlier this week, I guess yesterday, that came out, the Ryder Cup being postponed to 2021. We're going to get into this a lot with a TSM producer Jamie Rydell, as well as Bob Herrig from ESPN. But first off for you, Bob, 
Uh, surprise, what was your initial reaction when you, you heard the Ryder Cup would be postponed to 2021? I think if anyone was surprised by this, they uh, they need their head red or they're not a golf fan because <laughs> I think that I think this was just a matter of when they were going to make the announcement. Um, we saw it more or less coming. I think I think the organizers perhaps floated the idea of going with no fans just to see what the reception was, but uh, there wasn't much positive coming back on that. Most of the players said they'd rather not play if it was without fans, and and the fans you know essentially make this event, which they do. It's a it's a raw raw different kind of golf tournament than than anything else other than the President's Cup, so I think this was the the right move, and I think it was uh, just a question of who was gonna who was gonna pull the plug on it, and then when were they gonna when were they gonna say it? It's interesting, you know, they had to get buy-in from the PGA Tour, which isn't really a part of the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup is run by the mm -hmm. PGA of America and the European Tour, but of course next year is technically a, a President's Cup year, so you have to push the President's Cup back. Uh, a year as well in order to do that so that might not have been uh, such an important thing back in in 2001 when it, it happened uh, the same thing happened due to the 9-11 uh, attacks but but the mm -hmm. president's cup's a little bit of a bigger event and these days so uh i'm sure there's some um some great talk going on between those three sides just to see how they could make everything work yeah for sure it'll be fascinating to see um, what happens, how it works. Before we hear some audio, have to update Adam Hadwin birdie on his last hole. He shoots a six under 66. He is your leader right now at the Workday Charity Open. It'll be fun to see how he can progress here uh, throughout wow. the weekend. Uh, let's get back to the Ryder Cup here, though, Bob. Both captains spoke about the news. First, let's hear from U.S. team captain Steve Stricker. I think it's really the only decision at this point, you know, uh, as a country, we're reeling from this pandemic, right? I mean, it just uh, seems to be spiking a little bit, you know, and I think it's just a question of the unknown. Um, you know, what is it going to be like in September? You know, and, and how can you how can you make that decision now when uh, still corporations, people, companies are just um, are having a hard time and, and uh, companies are still closed, travel bans aren't lifted yet, um, you know, so... For the European players to come over is still a really big challenge. There's so many questions that are in the air, you know, and, and uh, up in the air that you just, you can't, you almost can't prepare for September, you know, at this point. It's a big moment for you and your home state. Is it a disappointment? Sure. I mean, who doesn't want to play and be a part of a Ryder Cup, right? But, you know, I, I take some satisfaction in knowing that if everything comes back and you know, we're, we're playing normal golf with fans next year, um, that the Ryder Cup is going to be played with fans, and, and Wisconsin's going to put on an unbelievable event. The fans are going to come out. Uh, they've shown tremendous support already. Uh, so I think that's, that's what I take uh, some solace in thinking about the potential of what it could be next year and and the Ryder Cup you know is built around that energy of fans right it's an unbelievable spectacle to be a part of and I think to take that away what I was thinking about the other day was what if one guy one player plays in one Ryder Cup and it was at Wisconsin without fans you know I mean that would be just a terrible experience right I mean it, it's the Ryder Cup was built on that energy of the fans and I think we owe it, the game of golf owes it to the fans and to Wisconsin and to the players to play a normal Ryder Cup. 
Pretty good point there from Steve Stricker, the U.S. team captain. If a player only had one chance to play in a Ryder Cup, you wouldn't want to do it without fans. Well, that's Steve Stricker's opinion, the U.S. team captain. How about the European te- European team captain? Let's hear from Padraig Harrington. They come to the right decision. You know, that decision is mainly based on health and safety. Uh, we still have a lot of unknowns out there. And, you know, health and safety has to be the priority. I do believe also that, you know, from the players and, and even myself as a captain, you know, we understand, yeah, there's bigger and important things going on in the world. But for us, the Ryder Cup is very special and special because of the fans and with the fans. So I think it would have been a very difficult one for us to go ahead without the fans. And I think with the fans, I think the PGA of America and Ryder Cup Europe definitely, uh, you know, after a long consultation, and there was a lot of consultation behind the scenes, have come to the right conclusion that, you know, in their interest of health and safety, it's right to postpone this. Okay, Bob, so interesting here as well for the European team that they are freezing their qualification process until January 1st. Uh, 2021. So let's just say a European player goes on and wins a couple PGA Tour events or European Tour events or perhaps a major championship. That's not really going to matter in the point system uh, for the rest of the year. So that could create something interesting, couldn't it? I guess in some ways it could, although you have to also accept the fact that if somebody were to win a major, the chances of him not being a (laughs) a captain's pick. Although, you know, you've got a bunch of majors to go through before you get to September 2021. So you're, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of permutations and questions and calculations that are going to have to happen before they decide on their final 12 players, and that's for both sides. The the U.S. is keeping their cards a little bit closer to their vest in terms of what they want to do and how they're going to arrange it. But um, you know, it's there's a lot of events like like you look at the Olympics and the teams that were there. Uh, some guy may have qualified under the if if the events were held this year. And now you think, okay, now he goes into next year and he gets passed. Like, let's say it's Adam Hadwin and Corey Connors, but now Nick Taylor and Mackenzie Hughes win tournaments and pass these two guys. They would have, you know, it just sort of takes the Olympics out of their out of their hands. So there's all sorts of things like this. But for the Ryder Cup, um, it's it's a big one for sure. It's certainly a big one for sure. And, and uh, one player who certainly... Uh, feeds off the emotion of the fans is John Rahm, and he played in his first Ryder Cup a couple of years ago in France, beating Tiger Woods in the singles. And yesterday, he had a chance to give his opinion on the Ryder Cup being postponed. It's right to postpone this. Postpone this. If you can't play the Ryder Cup with fans, I don't want to play. It's not the Ryder Cup. It's something else. So I, I believe the Ryder Cup. You know, being as big an event as it is, being one of the biggest sporting events in the world being such a big influence in the community of golf and and hopefully making golf reach to different people and getting new players in the game because uh, i am a product of Ryder cup so it's it's important that it's done the way it's supposed to be done i want what's right for the game of golf and if that's a collective decision i'm all for it you know so uh yeah, um, I think obviously as a European, I think it would have been an advantage clearly to have played with no crowd, but I think um, that's not about that, right? The Ryder Cup isn't about that. I think it's about a spectacle and it's about, I think the Ryder Cup is actually one of the events that we do have that's bigger than the game of golf. It attracts sports fans and so therefore I think it's important to, to do it the right way. That was John Rahm and Justin Rose there at the end. Justin Rose, 11-6-2 all-time in his career in the Ryder Cup. Interesting to hear their perspective on the Ryder Cup. Again, it's being postponed 
until September 24th, 26th, 2021 at Whistling Straits. And the 2022 President's Cup will now be held September 22nd to 25th at Quail Hollow in 2022. We're going to discuss the Ryder Cup being postponed in much more detail in depth with TSM producer Jamie Rydell coming up a little later in the show as well as ESPN's Bob Herrick. But on the other side, we're going to hear for some, from some players in the mix so far at the Workday Charity Open and some players who are about to tee off. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by TaylorMade and the all-new Sim and Sim Max drivers. Shape in motion. We reshape the drivers so you can reshape your game. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to order yours today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to another afternoon edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks, Mark Sacchino is off today we're talking about the workday charity open going on right now the first round is about midway through at the afternoon wave teeing off just around the corner but bob as we spoke about in segment one how about the canadians so far adam hadwin six under 66 in the clubhouse nick taylor four under uh one hole to go Corey connor's a couple holes to go he is three under par bob this is nick taylor's first tournament since the resumption of play i believe you had a chance to speak with them either earlier this week or sometime last week what were his expectations going into this event uh you know what we didn't actually connect we went back and forth and back and forth oh. several times so we're going to chat next <laughs> week but uh but i did chat with adam hadwin last night and okay uh, and i spoke with him about uh a, a couple of things about i asked him why he thinks there's so many canadians now who are playing so well because as, as we said off the top you know, Corey Connors was in the hunt the first two weeks. Mackenzie Hughes the, th the third week. Adam last week. Sort of a backdoor finish for Adam with a, an eagle birdie. Uh, but he said it's a combination of things. It's not really one thing. At, at, you know, he sort of said that part of it is, is the national team program, but, but not everybody was through that. Adam and Nick were only on that team for one year, then they opted out. Uh, Roger Sloan never went through the national team program. Um, he did say, though, he said the influence of Mike Weir winning the Masters was, was big for a lot of them. He said that's when I kind of got really enthused about golf when I saw that happen. And, and all the guys pretty much down uh, the leaderboard with Canadian flags besides their name are pretty much all from that same vintage. Maybe David Hearn's a little bit older, but um, they all kind of were in that impressionable age when, when Mike Weir was coming along. And the other mm -hmm. thing he said was, you know, there's we're kind of pushing each other. Like, like we don't we we play practice rounds. We're all good friends, and when, uh, in that regard, but you know, everyone wants to be the top Canadian. Everyone wants to be the best guy. So, so they do uh, enjoy each other's company, and they play practice rounds together. But they also inspire each other and, and push each other and want to beat each other. It was awesome to see earlier this week. Uh, there was a picture online. I believe it was at least four of them playing a practice round together, which was awesome to see. Adam Hadwin, your leader, Nick Taylor, Corey Connors also in the mix, and David Hurd, Mackenzie Hughes, they are both under par for the tournament so far. And speaking of under par, some other some guys in the afternoon wave. Matthew Wolf went very under par last 
week. And unfortunately, Bryson DeChambeau, or I guess Bryson DeChambeau just wanted to beat him. But for Matthew Wolf, it was his first top 10 since winning about a year ago now. And uh, yesterday, he had a chance to speak to the media. It has been, you know, quite a while. I feel like um, I was working on a few things in my game and um, more physically than mentally, but um, was just trying to work on a few things, like I said, and, you know, wasn't really coming along, felt a little uncomfortable out there for a while. And um, I kind of just had a realization kind of after the whole quarantine that, you know, I, I felt like I was doing trying to do too much. And I, um, I, you know, talked to my coach, George, and a couple people on TaylorMade and just said I need to go back to what I did in college. And, you know, what I did best in college was not only just not really, you know, try to do anything different and just work with, you know, the little baby draw that I always hit and not try to, like, you know, shape shots differently just because I feel like, you know, the PGA Tour requires that. Um, and, but then also just the, the mindset that I had going into last week was the same one that I had when I won. And it was more of, uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. Don't be thinking about the outcome before, um, you know, it even happens. And so um, I had more of, you know, uh, it's not that I don't care, but I kind of told myself to not care as much. And what that did is it helped me free up and, um, you know, hit the shots that I that I normally do and not be worrying about, you know, any bad shots or, or missed putts or anything like that. So... It was nice to be back in that mix, but I feel like I've wor I've been working on the right things for a while, and uh, it seems like uh, I'm feeling really confident with my game mentally and physically. So hopefully I can c carry it on for the next couple weeks, and you know it won't be once once a year. It'll be once every couple weeks now. Matthew Wolf teeing off in about half hour with Patrick Reed and Ricky Fowler. Uh, Bob, it was quite a performance last week from Matthew Wolf, and something he said there in those comments reminded me a bit of Mackenzie Hughes, where Matthew Wolf came on tour, he won, he tried to change a couple things, and I believe Mackenzie Hughes went through the same process after he won the RSM Classic back in 2016, tried to change some things, his game sort of he struggled for a little bit, but now he's sort of gone back to the old and, and that's paying off. And it seems like the same thing's paying off now for Matthew Wolf, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, you know, Mackenzie Hughes was, he, it wasn't an, a swing overhaul by any means. It wasn't a, um, he wasn't trying to change his swing in a big way. He was just trying to make a couple of little adjustments. And once you do that, you can kind of go down a rabbit hole, I think. And, and you start <laughs> tinkering and one thing leads to another and goes to here. And then when you start missing cuts, um, you know, the, the confidence can really go. And when you think about Matthew Wolf's year, he won that tournament last year, but then hasn't had a top 10 since. And so I think, you know, as a young player, when you win early, you think, oh, yeah. And Nick Taylor told me this because he won in his fifth start on the PGA Tour. He basically said, oh, yeah, I figured I would win every week. And now he was just joking when he <laughs> said that. But, but I think that's the expectation is, okay, I've won once. It should be easy enough to do it again. And, and I can remember a long, long time ago, uh, Nancy Lopez, that's how long it is. Nancy Lopez told me once, she said, you know, the toughest win to get isn't necessarily the first one. It's sometimes the second one. Because after you've done it once, you think, oh, this is easy. And you might let up on how hard you work. So, so maybe the second time around is a little bit more difficult as Matthew Wolf is, is kind of finding out. Yeah, he's certainly finding it out for sure. And I remember we had that, this conversation many times last year 
on Golf Talk Canada with uh, Mark Zucchino as well, talking about which Canadian would get that second win first. Adam Hadwin still looking for that second win. And Nick Taylor now could be in good position for that third win. Bob, he has three feet on his 18th hole to post 65 I'm sorry, 67 in the clubhouse, 5 under par. We will update you all on Nick Taylor if he made that birdie putt. That's going to come up after the break. We're also going to speak with TSN producer Jamie Rydell about Tiger Woods coming back and the Ryder Cup being postponed to 2021. This is an afternoon edition of Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by TaylorMade and the all-new Sim and Sim Max drivers. Shape in motion. We reshape the driver so you can reshape your game. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to order yours today. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit WeatherTech.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back into our final afternoon edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Zucchino is off today. As always, we'll be back Saturday mornings from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern if you're listening on TSN 1050 or TSN 1150 in Hamilton. Uh, Bob, before the break, we were talking about Nick Taylor, three-footer for birdie on 18, and Chuching. Five under sixty-seven, but I have to take a picture of the of the scoreboard because right now there are two <laughs> Canadians, one and T two. Nick Taylor. I mean, how about this start for Nick Taylor? He hasn't played a competitive round in quite some time. Obviously, I mean the Vancouver Golf Tour aside, he hasn't played a PGA yeah. Tour competitive round in in quite some time. How about this start for Nick Taylor, though? It's uh, it's pretty impressive, and um, you know he he elected to stay a little bit at home a little bit longer because his his family is going to remain in Canada, which means as long as he's down here playing golf, he probably won't see his family. So he's got a young son, just born before Christmas, and he's got uh, obviously his beautiful wife, and they're back there, Andy and uh, Charlie, and uh, so he decided he would play the take the first four tournaments off, stay with them, hang out in Abbotsford, play a little around there. Um, but he obviously had some time to to get his game in shape and and keep it competitive and 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 seriously you know you can give some credit to that Vancouver Golf Tour there's some shorter different kind of golf courses on there and he didn't win any of those events that I'm aware of I know he finished uh, in a couple of them I know he was just back so um, so good for him for having a game that's ready to go. Yeah, good for him to have a game that's ready to go. Bogey-free, five under sixty-seven. For more on Nick Taylor, the Ryder Cup, Tiger Woods. Hitting drivers off the deck, his specialty. TSM producer Jamie Rydell now joins us on the line. Jamie, how are you this afternoon? Hey, guys. How's it going? We are wonderful. Thank you. Just asked Bob about Nick Taylor. Let's hear your thoughts about Canadians. One and two on the leaderboard so far at the Workday Charity Open. Yeah, you look at you look down the list, you know, four of the five. Roger Sloan tees off a little bit later before the five are under par. And, you know, Corey's up there too at uh, two under, so... An exciting time for uh, for Canadians, is, you, you know, with four guys near the top 100. We've never had that before. Um, especially great for Nick, who hadn't played since the shutdown, um, except for in Vancouver, which I don't think he picked up a lot of world ranking points at those events. Did he, Weesey? 
Uh, I think it was point zero zero two. He got <laughs> for a but, third place uh, finish. Yeah, it's great. We've had a Canadian in around the top ten or inside the top ten after the first round in every tournament so far in the restart. So, uh, and obviously Mac and Adam had good finishes, and Corey was in the mix a couple of times as well. So, um, it's just great to see this momentum keep going, especially as we head to the PGA, which. Um, all four of Adam, Nick, Corey, and Max should qualify on the points. Um, so it's it's really nice to see. You know, um, I was talking earlier. Uh, Adam was saying, you know, what, what do you think is the reason for all these great Canadians playing so well right now? And I talked about the fact that there's not really one thing that's done it, with the possible exception of maybe Mike Weir's inspiration mm -hmm. in winning the Masters. And I wonder... If, you know, like a lot of these guys obviously grew up paying attention to Mike and also Tiger Woods, we'll give him credit, Tiger, but yeah. it's kind of, I think maybe we, we sort of, I don't know if we want to say slough that off, um, but David Hearn told me an interesting thing last night as well when we were chatting. He said, a lot of a lot of other countries, you can see the same thing. So after Greg Norman, you know, the Aussies had a big, big rise. And after mm -hmm. Bernard Longer, you saw a few more German players like Martin Keimer come up. So... You know, we might undersell the impact that that Mike Weir had on these guys. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think that's the majority of the reason, don't you? Like, obviously, you know, they the Golf Canada set up a pretty good development program um, that some of these guys have gone through, um, and and I think when you see a guy in your country rise to the top like Mike did, you know, it gives you hope. I think, um, and you see it in a lot, a lot of sports for a lot of different countries as well. Like your, your Greg Norman um, analogy that Hearn told you weeks is, is bang on too, right? Um, whenever you see a guy do well from your country, well, that all, it's always going to boost it. And now I think, you know, when, when Golf Canada started their little development program, it was to, you know, obviously to get guys to as guys and girls to as high a level as they can. But you know, it's starting to wide out, and you know, you see the depth now. Um, so I think, I think we now have a, a, a larger base at the bottom and eventually all those people are going to rise. And now you see, you see it today with, you know, the four guys inside the top 102, um, you know, for the first time ever, you know, Nick Taylor's knocking the, knocking on the door of the top 100 as well. And, you know, it's already a record three inside the top 100 and, you know, who knows what happens the rest of this week with Nick, but if he has a good finish, he'll be inside the top 100. Now we have four, and then that creates more players at majors on a regular basis. Um, you know, we were, when I started on the, uh, when I started in 02 with the golf, you know, it was just Steven and Mike. And then you would have a handful of guys qualify, but Steven and Mike were the regulars, and that was it. Now it's exciting to see, you know, this base built and to see more regular players hopefully at majors going forward. It's uh, certainly fun to see. And as you were speaking there, Jamie, Mackenzie Hughes, birdie on his 13th hole, moving to two under par. Now T22 alongside Corey Connors was a couple holes left. He as well, two under. Nick Taylor, five under. Adam Hadwin, your solo leader right now at six under par. But Jamie, before our show came on the air, about two hours before the show came on the air, about 10 a.m. Eastern this morning, some news broke. Tiger Woods. We all thought it was going to happen, and he is in the field next week at the Memorial at Muirfield Village. Uh, what are your expectations for Mr. Woods as he finally makes his return to the PGA Tour? 
it's always it's always hard um, to um, to know what Tiger's going to do when he's had a long layoff. You know, he's had bad rounds and he's had good rounds. Um, I think starting at this tournament where he's won five times leads to some optimism. Um, you know, when we when we last saw him in competition, you know, he didn't look good, uh, almost dead last or dead last at Genesis, and. Mm-hmm. You know, his swing didn't look good. He looked tight. You know, the back was obviously giving him some issues. But then when he played the charity event, you know, he seemed to be freer swinging. Um, obviously, that, but, you know, and that's a, a charity event, so it doesn't really matter. But he was playing in pouring rain for most of it. So he, his swing looked good. So yeah. I suspect that his swing is going to look, as, as you guys probably do, his swing is going to look good. And, you know, nobody's had more great moments at this tournament than Tiger. So... You know, that's the thing with Tiger. He plays courses that he likes to play at, and this is one of them. So I would expect a pretty decent week from him despite, you know, the layoff. Uh, you know, I'm always wondering about Tiger and his uh, his timing of releases and things and why he waits so long or doesn't wait. <laughs> I've just always, always... It's weird, isn't it? Me as to exact... it is always weird. I mean, at, at least he gave us an extra day. We didn't have to wait till the 5 o'clock deadline right. on, uh, on the other things. But but I think uh, I think that, that uh, the next tournament start is going to be just as interesting. Because mm-hmm. I'm wondering, is he going to play the World Golf Championship event or will he wait right now till the PGA Championship? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think... You know, with, with Tiger, it's always like, well, he's got to play this and then play the PGA. But it's going to be a condensed schedule, right, going forward with a lot of tournaments in a short amount of weeks with the playoffs. So if he wants to play the playoffs, he's going to have to take breaks somewhere. Um, and then you got majors mixed in there as well. Um, so I, I bet you he plays Memorial and shuts it down to the PGA. Like, it's not out of the question. Like, he, you know, he went year, he went some years where he wouldn't play a tournament in between the U.S. and, and the Open. Um, that, that's right. Right? Like, he just – sometimes he does well and sometimes he does. It's hard to predict. But I bet you he doesn't play the WGC event. And he plays yeah, th- just, just the PGA and then gets ready for the FedEx. Well, that's right. That's what I think you got now that – you know, it was I think six tournaments in eight weeks. Now it's going to be mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be five and seven weeks because the, the Ryder Cup is gone. But I I'm always amazed at, uh, at at his schedule and his planning, and he never ceases to try and keep us guessing. Adam. Yeah, that's right. Never you know ceases to keep us guessing. And I remember back in 2018, he played. I believe it was seven of nine weeks, including the Ryder Cup that year. Yes, of course, he won the Tour Championship that year, the PGA Championship. And as he, Tiger said, he was fried after that. He was exhausted. But, um, Jamie, some other news that came out that could have to do with Tiger Woods as well. I would presume he'd be on the team next year as long as he continues to play well and is healthy. Is the Ryder Cup being postponed to 2021? What are your thoughts, Jamie, on this happening? Uh, We all thought it was inevitable. Do you agree? Yeah, I think it was inevitable. I I, I agree with uh, the, the people that say if you don't have fans at this event, it's not it's it's not worth playing. I completely agree with that because I think so much about this event, you know, at being at these events, is how crazy it is around the course and how great the fans are and how much that how much the fans impact the actual gameplay uh, for the most part. Like you know they. You know, you got the when it's on American soil and the Americans are going well, 
you know, you got the Europeans pumping themselves up to try and silence those crowds and get the European the Europeans that are in there. I just think the atmosphere of the Ryder Cup has so much to do with not only the players that are playing, but the fans that are there. And I think that you, we want to talk about atmosphere of tournaments on television broadcasts. That would be one of the driest broadcasts I think we would ever <laughs> witness, right? Like you're so players. used to large cheering sections everywhere. It's just the players. Like, so, you know, Rory's going to – you think Rory reacts like he did in that Patrick Reed match? Or Poulter <laughs> reacts like he does if there's no crowds going going like that? I don't think so. I, I really don't. I think it would be hard. And I, I agree with those players. It shouldn't be It shouldn't be played if you can't have fans. So it's best to just postpone it and and hope for the best next year. Okay, so so now we've got uh, we've got that one postponed. We've got the PGA with no fans. We have the U.S. Open, which still apparently wants to have fans after Memorial has has said no fans, and, and the, the U.S. Open has mm-hmm. not is not said they won't have fans. Um, and the Masters is mum. If you were to place a bet on the future of any golf tournament having uh, having fans, if it was just one tournament down the stretch, which one do you think it'll be? Augusta, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll make it work yeah. somehow. They, you know, they have the they have the ability and the finances to, I would think, try and create some sort of, uh, you know, I don't want to say a bubble, but you know, we don't know where we're going to be at with COVID in November. Uh, we could have a second wave. It could have tapered off by then. Um, but if it, you know, if I think Augusta will do their best to have patrons for sure. Um, I think the U.S. Open, you know, it's in New York. You know, it's possible. I think they were going to, I think they've said that they're going to try and limit, right? It won't be the 100,000 fans that we're used to. Um, So I think there's still a chance for the U.S. Open, but I I would be surprised if Augusta says no patrons. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see uh, which is going to be the first tournament uh, to have fans. We're in conversation here with TSN producer Jamie Rydell. Okay, Jamie, we're in our fifth week here on the PGA Tour mm-hmm. restart. Obviously, the hot topic, Bryson DeChambeau coming off the win last week. He's not in the field this week. He will be back playing next week. Uh, two-part question. Uh, first, are you surprised to see Bryson have the success he's had, given especially you know the body rebuild he's had? And two, how many protein shakes have you had today? I have had zero protein shakes. And by the way, just <laughs> like it hasn't helped me drinking seven protein shakes a day. I can't carry a 350. <laughs> so, I, you know, you're I, having I, you're having beer shakes. Yeah. That, oh, is that? It's, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Yeah. So it is, that has not helped me. But he, it's a, he, he does he not look so uncomfortable <laughs> swinging? Like, he really yeah. does. But it just, who was it? Justin Thomas, I think, was hitting beside him this week or last week and said he can't believe how far he's hitting it and how straight he's hitting it most of the time. And he looks so uncomfortable swinging, but yet it just goes. Like, and he, he doesn't hold back. Uh, like when they say unleash the kraken, he unleashes the kraken. Um, I'm not surprised that he's not that he's doing well because he's a, he's an excellent player regardless of the bulk that he's put on. But can you imagine if he ever dialed in his wedge game? How good he's going to be if yeah. he keeps putting the way he is. Um, man, it, it could be interesting if he could dial the, that wedge game in because he should be he should be winning more. 
where with where he is, thirty and forty yards ahead. You know, if he didn't putt as well as he did last week, he would have never won, right? No, that's right. That's right. Yeah, like he's not going to make twenty and twenty five yeah, footers uh... every week that that many, right? But you know, it's pretty impressive where he's hitting the ball. But you know what's what's interesting about golf is you know you said it, we see a ton of times is. You know, Jim Furyk's made all that money hitting it the shortest of anybody. But Matt Wolf was was right in Bryson DeChambeau territory off the tee at quite a substantial slider frame. There, there are guys who will tell you that Cameron Champ can hit it as far as Bryson. Right. And I bet you if Rory unleashes, he could get yeah. close to there too. Um, DJ, Kepka, those guys. Um, I, I think it's a. It'll be interesting to see where players that are just coming up now, I don't suspect that you'll see any PGA Tour players just go and try and put on 25 pounds of muscle um, because mm-hmm. I think they try and get ball speed from other factors, maybe uh, you know different technology in, in their clubs, balls, etc. Um, but who knows, like with, play, with a high schooler coming up saying, holy cow, I want to do that. Maybe I'll yeah, that's... see what I can do. But do you guys do you guys agree? Like, do you guys think you'll see a PGA Tour player do that again? I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it'll be very interesting. Interesting to see how how they how you know he influences the game. Will we see players try to bulk up and gain all this flexibility because they put on all this weight? Uh, Bryson, he's changed so much in the game of golf, and he does it his own way, and clearly it is working for him. Jamie, we really appreciate your time today. Looking forward to seeing you soon, and keep working on that driver off the deck, my man. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a solid shot for me. It's a solid go-to shot, considering I'm so far back. I'm not like you, Scully. I don't hit bombs like you and Phil, and... <laughs> And so I need to hit driver off the deck. So it's it's a go-to tool that I have in my golf bag. It's a great tool to have in your arsenal, Jamie. Really appreciate your time, and uh, we we will talk to you later, my friend. Yeah, see you guys. That is Jamie Rydell, TSN producer. You can follow him on Twitter at Jamie Rydell, TSN. Does golf, CFL, figure skating. He does it all for TSN. Coming up after the break, we're going to discuss some 20 weeks of TaylorMade and look ahead to Hour 2 right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit WeatherTech.ca. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. Ready to trade the snow shovel for a 7-iron? Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to plan your golf vacation getaway today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off today. Time to update some leaderboards from around the world of golf. Let's start on the European Tour with the Austrian Open. The European Tour back in action. Joost Lauten, your leader. 7 under 65, Craig Howie. Uh, one shot off the lead. Among those who are two shots back, Mark Warren, Connor Syme, Philip Erickson. Two shots off the lead. Miguel Angel Jimenez, 4 under 68. 
He is just three shots off the lead onto the Workday Charity Open. Team Canada atop the leaderboard. Adam Hadwin, six under 66. He is your solo leader right now. Nick Taylor, five under 67. He is tied for second with Hideki Matsuyama, who's won here before. Pat Perez, Zach Johnson turning back the clock. He is up there as well, as well as Louis Ustazen, Justin Thomas, Rory Sabatini. Uh, they are among those two shots off the lead. And more Canadians still in the mix. Mackenzie Hughes, two under through 14 holes. David Hearn in the clubhouse, one under 71. Corey Connors has made a couple of bogeys. He is one under on 17, T31. Roger Sloan teeing off in just a little bit. Bob, of course, 20 weeks of TaylorMade. We, it continues here. We're going to give away two MG2 wedges on saturday morning's edition of golf talk canada bob have you used this wedge or are you more of a high toe guy i have the wedge that we got last year or this year yep. i can't remember when it came in everything's blending together in this yes, COVID yeah. era, and it's sitting I, I actually was going through a bunch of clubs that i have in my office trying to say i got to get rid of some of these there's a lot of i know a lot of people right. are purging using this time off to purge and i saw that one there and i thought hmm uh, but I am a dedicated high toe guy, and I really like those wedges, and they've been very good for me this year. So it may be, may be tough to get it into the bag. Maybe when I play one of my little nine-hole rounds with my dad on a Monday, I'll, I'll take it out and give it a try. But I've heard good reviews about it for sure. Have you I've used heard it? great. You know what? I, I haven't. So we, we received those great wedges from TaylorMade using their, their customization program with my, uh, with my name on it. And I hit a couple shots when I was up north in Mont Tremblant. I want to practice with it a little more before, before using it in competition. I did not use the wedge when I shot 369 yesterday at Bayview. We're going to discuss that more in an hour or two, as well as you've got a little club championship action going on this weekend, uh, too, Bob. What's the, what's the preparation been like for that? Just a lot of time sitting in your house working right <laughs> just about yeah no the game the match has actually been postponed we've got uh, <gasps> we had a little problem with our tt lottery we oh, uh, no. put in for 7 30 and our we got 12 40 so that well, doesn't work for me unfortunately so <laughs> we're postponing it until tuesday so you got to wait a little bit longer Okay, well, looking forward to, to hearing about that uh, on next week's edition of Golf Talk Canada. Of course, our, our video podcast, episode 16, now in the books. But coming up in hour two, we're going to hear from ESPN's Bob Herrig. But first, winners, weird and what, all-time Ryder Cup edition. This is an afternoon edition of Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. Ready to trade the snow shovel for a 7-iron? Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to plan your golf vacation getaway today. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. Stay tuned for 60 more minutes of GTC. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club, proud home of the Mackenzie Tour PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. For membership information or to book tee times and special events, visit WoodingtonLake.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside the back nine here on Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. 
Mark Zucchino is off today. Bob, we continue to update the Workday Charity Open. Mackenzie Hughes is now two under through 14 holes. He's now on the par 5 15th. He's uh, missed the fairway off the tee, but hopefully he can lay it up into good wedge position and uh, set up another birdie. But as we mentioned off the top of the show, and as we'll continue to talk about a little later with ESPN's Bob Herrick, the Ryder Cup has been postponed to 2021. And this got us thinking, Bob. How about some of the great moments in Ryder Cup history? So here is a Ryder Cup-inspired version of Winners Weird and What. And today, Bob, you have the tea. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! All right, Adam, I went uh, a little deeper in the archives, I think, for my yes. winners weird and what this year and or this week. And um, my winner is the Golden Bear himself, Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. who played in many Ryder Cups and obviously captained a couple of them as well. But in 1969, he did something that uh, that made him stand out in a lot of people's minds, not necessarily for a shot he hit, but for an action he took. So they were playing the Ryder Cup, and uh, in those days it was it was not Europe; it was just uh, uh, the British Isles, uh, and they were they were tied. They were tied with one match left on the on the uh, on the golf course. That was on the singles, of course, and the match was between Jack and Tony Jacklin. And on the 18th okay. hole, Jack rolled in a tricky five footer, and Tony Jacklin, in front of all his countrymen, needed to roll in about a three footer to get the tie for the whole thing and instead of making him putt it Jack Nicklaus walked over picked it up picked up his coin and said that's a half and uh you know what it's a uh it's a brilliant move of of sportsmanship and that's kind of what makes Jack Jack isn't it i mean he's he's bigger than the game he's he's not bigger than the game in his own mind but so many of us can learn from him it really is and you know they always say golf is a, is a gentleman's game and a game full of sportsmanship unbelievable sportsmanship there by jack nicholas one of the all-time legends in the game one or two depending on who you talk to whether it's tiger woods or jack nicholas but an unbelievable uh showing there of sportsmanship uh, by jack nicholas back in 1969. uh yes indeed and my weird uh is a collection of things here and it's basically <laughs> the united states it is their clothing ah, yes. choices over the oh. years there are a number of wacky clothing choices that they have made and, of course, highlighted by those shirts in 1999 that have all those pictures of past uh, teams woven into them. It's best remembered, of course, with Justin Leonard raising his arms after sinking that bombing putt and all the uh, Americans tromping all over the green before poor old Jose Mariola Thabal had to play his shot next. But yep. it's not only that one. Because if you go back a, a few years, there were the bad rain suits. Do you remember that? They had uh, the I Robert do. Eagles. 2010. That's right, and they had all these rain suits that uh, did everything except what they were supposed to do, prevent the rain from getting in. They all seeped in. They were also weird because they had their names, the players' names on the back of them. So it was sort of like uh, sort of like a hockey game or a football game or anything like that. So it was or a very curling. strange yeah. one. They actually, yeah, or curling. And they all actually went out uh, that next day and paid retail prices for some better rain suits, which didn't give uh, much credence to the poor person. It was Corey Pavin's wife, actually, who bought them. And then in 1995, they had uh, shirts with these kind of cur- curly cues on them that uh, that could only be described as dad's wear. And in 2010, 
the famous red, white, and lilac. They had lilac sweater vests that they wore, and for some reason, or for, nobody really knows actually for what reason they wore those. So that is my weird. Yeah, okay, a couple things there, Bob, with, with the clothing choices. I was going to bring this up as an aside here, but I, I'm very glad that you did. Um, you know, at least in the last couple Ryder Cups, there have been a couple days where both the U.S. and the Europeans are wearing the same color. They're both wearing blue. Like, there's got to be some sort of meeting beforehand between the captains saying, okay, we're wearing blue today or red, and, and Europe's wearing yellow. Or, like, you'd think that meeting has to happen, right? You would think so. I mean, yeah, let's all come out wearing the same thing. Uh, oh, did yeah. I forget? To, did I not call you when I woke up this morning to tell you about my... <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my what? My what takes us to the 1983 Ryder mm -hmm. Cup. And it was a shot, which I think is mm -hmm. what's... My what is... This has got to be the greatest shot, I think, played in Ryder Cup history. It was uh, from the Ooh. hands of Seve Ballesteros. Seve Ballesteros was in a singles match all square with Fuzzy Zeller heading to the 18th hole. And Ballesteros hit his tee shot into a fairway bunker. He was 245 yards from the green, and between him and the green was water. So what did Seve do? What would, what would the, 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 course, the, the normal course of action would probably be to lay up, right? Just hit one out in front of the green, maybe hope you right. chip up and down and get a par. Nope. Seve hit a three-wood, a three-wood out of the bunker, onto the green, would go on to par the hole and half the match. And if there's no actual video footage of this shot, but Jack Nicklaus mm. called it the finest shot I have ever seen. So if Jack calls it that, I'm going to go with Jack. And that is my what, what, I mean, there's been a lot of great shots. Anything stand out for great shots in your memory, Adam, your young memory? Okay, a couple things that I'm trying to think of Ryder Cup wise in terms of great shots. There, there's some bad shots I can think of, a couple shanks yeah, we've seen. Great. In, in the past, specifically Webb Simpson back in 2012, Brooks Kepka in 2016 hit a nice hosel rocket as well. I look back to maybe a number of shots, you know, Ian Poulter birdieing the last five holes back in 2012 to really kickstart the miracle at Medina on that Saturday evening when it was 10-4 at that point. It could have easily been 12-4 instead it was 10-6 and they had the momentum coming into it. There have been some uh, hole-in-ones, I want to say back in 2006, Ooh, Paul Casey or Luke Donald, one of them, hit, uh, mm -hmm. made a hole-in-one. Uh, a lot of memorable shots at the Ryder Cup, and, and there's just that, that emotion that when guys hit these great shots, uh, you see the best emotion come out of the guys, don't you? Yeah, you really do. And, uh, and it's, a, it, it's the one time, I think, where you kind of see guys get a little nervous over a big shot. Remember Hunter Mahan mm -hmm. and different things like that where guys chunk it'll maybe oh, yeah. long or missing a putt uh, you know there's there's just moments like that that stand out um as a emotional crunch crunch or emotional upswing with uh i was just referring to justin leonard mm -hmm. with his hands in the air and running around and you know just so many emotional turning points in the Ryder cup that you don't get in a regular tournament mm -hmm. yeah that's right it's uh and that's why bob it's uh it's one of the great tournaments you know that we have and and uh, as as we'll talk about later with bob Herrig, it's it's uh, it's probably a good thing that we're, we're postponing 2021 without fans because a Ryder cup without fans would just be darn strange yeah it's exactly exactly <laughs> right exactly right all right the tea is yours yeah well i, I had the coffee i gotta activate the calves and i gotta step on one here <laughs> come on baby that's what i'm gonna do today hit bombs and attack the pin 
You mentioned emotion there, Bob, and I'm thinking of great shots as well. How about Graham McDowell back in 2010 making that putt to win after Hunter Mahan did chili dip that uh, chip in front of the green and uh, McDowell sunk about a 12-footer to go on to win another emotional thing. So looking back now, uh, when Keegan Bradley's caddy, I believe his nickname's Pepsi, back in 2012, Keegan sunk a 30-footer and Pepsi full-on was swinging the, the flagstick around his head like it, 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 kind of like a baton if anyone was near it like he could have impaled someone but yeah we see some wicked emotion coming out of players at the Ryder Cup and that's where I'm going with my winner in my all-time ah. Ryder Cup edition of three dub and that's Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy their singles match back in 2016 at the time McIlroy was coming off a FedEx Cup championship the week prior arguably the hottest player in the world the match was simply amazing from holes five to eight McElroy birdied each hole and lost ground in the match as Patrick Reed had eagled a drivable par four there was a bow from each player there's a lot of yelling there was a wagging of the finger but everything really escalated on the par three eighth hole Reed had about 25 feet Rory had 50 feet Rory buries this putt and I can only explain it that he was hopping around, bouncing around, so much adrenaline just going through his system, yelling, I can't hear you, I can't hear you, as the fans started to boo him. And Bob, what did Patrick Reed do? 25 feet, right in the heart, and he just wagged his finger at Rory, saying, no, 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 no. Now, of course, the match did take a bit of a turn after that, because both players were simply exhausted, which is, uh, which is clear, but... Reed did birdie 18 to win that match one up. I know you were on the grounds for the 2016 Ryder Cup. Bob, what are your memories from that event? Uh, memories are that um, it was very difficult to get around. We, we actually, Ryan Vardy was my cameraman that week and it was just the two of us. And I remember trying to go and, and cover that match. And we eventually just abandoned our cart and started walking because there were so many people following that match and the cheers amongst the loudest I've ever heard on a golf course, without a doubt. I mean, it was ridiculous how loud it was back and forth. And then, of course, there was the Mickelson-Sergio one as well that took place yeah. not long after. So uh, it was an emotional, emotional day and, and a memorable day in terms of, uh, of back and forth for sure. And Phil Mickelson jumped about 12 feet when he made that putt on 18. His, his hops clearly very high after they combined for 18 birdies in that match, <laughs> Phil and Sergio. Uh, my weird, this goes actually back to Phil as well, the uncomfortable press conference that was 2014 after the Europeans walloped the States in Scotland. Mickelson was asked about the difference in team philosophy from the last time the U.S. had won the Ryder Cup, which was back in 2008 at Valhalla, when Paul Azinger was the captain. And Phil spoke about the team being fully involved that year in the process with a four-man pod system. This time around, he said the team was not involved in any of the process, and Captain Tom Watson was asked about his comments. He said he didn't believe in the pod system 12 players were needed to win this was uh, very uncomfortable to watch i remember we were actually in the tsn newsroom at the time six years ago that's quite some time now but of course we have to mention phil was benched all day on the saturday of that event clearly not pleased with that or tom watson and bob as a result of this Ryder cup the Ryder cup task force was created which is one of the stranger things as well in golf <laughs> Yeah, well, how's that going, right? I mean, it's, it's helped a little bit, I suppose, but but they got walloped in France, so I don't know. It's uh, the Americans um, 
have not had a great run since uh, for the last little while. So it's uh, it's and that they they seem to be able to do fine in the President's Cup. They just can't battle it back, and it almost seems like it's sometimes in their head more than anything. But um, but it's fun to watch. There's nothing better than watching the Americans get their butt kicked, right? Isn't that right? It's <laughs> not Americans. Doesn't the world like to see that? <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as we always say for the U.S., just play better. Stop making excuses and just play yeah. better golf. They play this exactly great golf right. in the President's Cup, and then once it gets to the Ryder Cup uh, on away soil, they do not play good golf. And in 2006, they did not play good golf as well at the K Club. But here's where I'm going with my what this weekend. What a moment this was for Darren Clark back in 2006. He was named the captain's pick for the team from Captain Ian Woosnam less than six weeks after his wife passed away. Walking out the reception on the first tee, clearly not a dry eye in the house, and he pumped the drive upwards of 330 yards right down the middle, sort of tears coming down his coming down his face. This was an unbelievable moment, unbeaten in three matches, including beating Zach Johnson in the singles. Henrik Stenson would would clinch the cup shortly after but what an emotional moment for for darren clark who going through what he went through and and he's had quite a career after that but looking back in 06 that was just an unbelievable moment wasn't it pop i don't know how guys can actually play through that but a lot of guys use those kind of experiences to motivate them and clearly that's what that's what darren clark did he felt a, a little bit more of a, a greater power i think helping him and guiding him and um, he used the emotion very well and channeled it well. And the guys were talking, I remember in the team room afterwards, how, uh, how pumped up he kind of was, but in a very calm way, which is a little bit different for Darren. He's a very emotional, you know, bigger than life mm -hmm. kind of guy. So um, it, was, it was a real, real special moment. It was a very special moment, and the Ryder Cup is a very special tournament, and it's been postponed to 2021. Knock on wood, hopefully fans will be allowed for that, and we're going to discuss much more about the Ryder Cup with ESPN's Bob Herrig. That's coming up in about 15 minutes' time. But coming up after the break, Muirfield Village is hosting back-to-back -back weeks on the PGA Tour. So how much damage does that actually do for a golf course? What do they have to do to set up the course so it can last two weeks of PGA Tour players playing? We're going to hear from the VP of Rules, Gary Young, and much more coming up after the break. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, was brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club, proud home of the Mackenzie Tour PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. For membership information or to book tee times and special events, visit WoodingtonLake.com. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Tourism Ireland. World-class courses, spectacular locations. Whatever you're looking for in a golf holiday, Ireland has something for you. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off today. We continue to discuss the Workday Charity Open, which is uh, currently underway. And uh, Bob, oh, Canada. Adam Hadwin first. Nick Taylor, T2. And now Mackenzie Hughes has climbed into the top 10. T9 right now. He birdied the par 5. 15th hole and now he's in the top 10 and Bob it's been a pretty darn good start during this resumption of play for Mackenzie Hughes hasn't it 
It has, and uh, it's great to see. I mean, he obviously was kind of riding a bit of a high on that Honda Classic runner-up finish just before the pandemic. That was the last full tournament that, uh, that mm -hmm. they held. And when I talked to him at the players after the first round, he was, or before the first round, I guess he was saying how he was hoping to use that momentum. He felt good, all the changes. He said, you know, when you kind of go through a lot of stuff and you work hard on, on your game, but you don't see the results, it can get very deflating. But he said this kind of showed him that he was working on the right stuff. And I'm sure just to be able to shut it, having to shut it down was not the greatest timing. But he did say he played a lot of golf and worked on his game a lot. And he actually said he was in um, in his garage in kind of a makeshift gym and he put on a little bit muscle. I don't think he was quite Bryson, although he did say, you know, can't you see the 40 pounds I put on? But but he is getting a little more distance if you look at his, uh, his T numbers right now. So um, he's not the only one beefing up apparently. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely put on some distance. He was top six in driving uh, a couple of weeks ago. And of course, he had that 60 as well. He's currently 48th in the FedEx Cup standings. He has three holes to go. We will continue to update Mackenzie Hughes' scorecard as we continue right here on Golf Talk Canada. But as I mentioned at the end of the last segment, this is back-to-back -back weeks at Muirfield Village. So how difficult is it for the maintenance people and you know everyone involved with the golf course to prepare the to prepare Mirfield to have it set for back-to-back -back weeks, it's got to be a big challenge. Let's hear from the VP of Rules, Gary Young, on how the course is being set up differently for these two weeks. We're certainly uh, treating the two weeks very differently. I think this week here we're going to have to be a little bit cautious with the golf course. Uh, certainly out of respect to Mr. Nicholas and, and the Memorial Tournament being next week. Um, you know, this week here we have an opportunity present the golf course in a different way. Um, you're probably going to see a more receptive golf course, one where the greens will certainly be receptive. Um, we're going to have to be cautious with the heat and uh, certainly put a little bit more water than we normally would, knowing that we've got to carry this golf course through a two-week period. Um, I just think it's going to give us a chance to really highlight um, the golf course being played in two different ways. We're going to have the green speeds a little bit different, where our target speed is 11 and a half feet this week, where next week will be above 13. And uh, you'll probably see that we will slowly, over the course of the four days, ramp up the speed on the greens uh, towards that 12-foot number. But it will be a gradual slowing. And Chad Mark and his team have done a great job, along with Thomas Bastis from the PGA Tour agronomy staff, really getting things ready for this two-week period. That was the VP of Rules, Gary Young, talking about how the course is going to be set up differently for back-to-back -back weeks on the PGA Tour. Bob, he was mentioning that it's going to be a gradual, uh, the speeds of the green are going to be gradually increased. I guess if if a player chooses to play back-to-back -back weeks, which, which a lot of them are, the course, honestly, it seems like it's going to be pretty similar. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I think they're trying, you know, they're trying the best they can. I've just read through, in the last commercial break, read through the uh, the transcripts of the interviews after the round from Adam and, and Nick, and they both Ooh. talked about the fact that the game was a little bit soft, the, the course is a little bit softer than they're used to, the rough was a little bit shorter than they're used to, but there, it's still got some fire in it. It's it's still a difficult golf course, and because the greens are slow, um, there's a little bit more, a few more pin placements that were that are option, as as uh, Gary Young said in that interview at at a, a different point. Um, so I think 
it's it's going to play different, and I think it'll be a little bit easier this week. I think you and Mark and I did that on our uh, it was our video podcast. I can't remember if it was a video podcast or, or on Tuesday's show. We talked about the numbers, and probably like a six, five, six, seven shot difference um, between the two mm -hmm. if if tradition holds. Of course, weather will always play a factor there as well. It's smoking hot down there as well as it is in Toronto, and I don't have to tell people in Toronto about that right now. But, <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see also the the kind of divot patterns because after a tournament's over, there's if there are holes where the landing area is pretty common, um, it becomes a divot farm as they call it. So will they be able to to work around that? And and they feel confident that they can do that as well. Yeah, it'll be very fascinating to see uh, how it progresses here. That we're half of the first round of the books, and there's seven and a half more rounds to go in the next two weeks on the same golf course. I'm really curious to see how this goes. Before we go to break here, Bob, we're going to go through our, our stardom sit-ems that we decided on Tuesday's edition of the show, where we decide to start a player and sit a player for those who are with a fantasy team or betting, etc. Let's start with Mark. He had Victor Hovland starting and Victor Hovland's three under today. So good for him. And he was sitting Jason Day and Jason Day is also three under. So Bob's, uh, sorry, Mark's players are tied at three under. Bob, let's go to you where you started Justin Rose and he was two over today, two over 74. So going to need a bit, bit of a run here for Justin Rose. The streak continues and you benched Phil Mickelson. And he's one under through one. So Phil's going to shoot go. 54 today. No, he is, uh, he's <laughs> one under through one. I'm watching uh, golf TV. He's got the shades on too. So shades Phil's going today. He hit a 333 yard bomb on the first hole. So he is one under through one. Myself, I happen to start Adam Hadwin. Just going to say that. Uh, six under 66. He is your leader right now. Xander Shoffley decided to sit, which might have been a little controversial, but he is three under. So that's our stardom sit him this week, Bob. Uh, you know, for you, hopefully Justin Rose can go on a bit of a heater here for the second round, eh? Uh, I could use a little a little help. I had Doc Redmond last week, and he wasn't too bad, so that was that was a decent one. But my record in this stardom sitem is not good. I have not done well, which kind of is translated to my uh, DraftKings picks as well. Although I won one week, but uh, but there it's a um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not easy. As uh, Jim Furyk once told me, he says betting on golf. He says that's like trying to pick a uh, that's like trying to bet on a horse in a 156 horse race field. So it's uh, it's not easy, but uh, yeah. we never know how these guys are it, feeling or what they're doing. That's for sure. And continuing to update uh, the Canadian story here, Mackenzie Hughes is two feet for par on the 16th hole. We're going to update you on Mackenzie Hughes. And coming up after the break, we're going to go one-on-one -on -one with ESPN golf analyst Bob Herrick. We're going to discuss Tiger Woods playing next week and as well the postponement of the Ryder Cup to 2021. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Tourism Ireland. World-class courses, spectacular locations, whatever you're looking for in a golf holiday, Ireland has something for you. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks. 
Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Tacchino is off today. Some big news yesterday with the Ryder Cup being postponed. And earlier this morning, Tiger Woods announcing that he's coming back next week at the Memorial. For more on this, joining us now is ESPN Golf Analyst Bob Herrig. Bob, welcome to the show. Good to have you with us. Hey, Bob. How are you? Thanks for having me. We are we are great. Uh, th- th- thanks for coming on the show, Bob. Uh, let's uh, let's start right out there with Tiger Woods uh, coming back next week. This was speculated for a while that this would be his return course. Uh, what were your thoughts when you heard, Bob, that uh, Tiger Woods is in the field next week at that Memorial? <laughs> I guess I guess my thoughts were, what took him so long? Uh, <laughs> not not just to play, but to announce for this week, um, or you know, to play next week. Uh, uh, obviously now I think we're figuring out that his plan all along was to wait and not come back until the Memorial a place where he's won five times and, and have that be sort of the launching point for, you know, what looks like could be a fairly heavy schedule for him, you know, from here on out. And, and I think maybe he just didn't want to overdo it early on. And so, uh, he's waited all this time to come back. Bob, good to hear from you. And uh, what what do you expect from Tiger? We saw him in the match, and he looked really good. We've seen a couple of leaked videos on social media. He looks fine. He looks like he's not ailing like the last time we saw him play a PGA Tour event. What are your expectations from him coming back at, uh, at a course that he loves, as you pointed out? You know, I, I think the expectations should be pretty high. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say we should think he, he should win, but I think he should should have a good week. Um, you know, if he's been gearing up for this, like we think, uh, we've seen many times before where he's come back from long layoffs and played well, like he won in Japan in October, having not played for a long time. That was coming off a knee surgery in which there were really low expectations. You know, now he seems to be okay again. The back issues that kept him out in the spring appear to be gone. As you noted, he looked good in that match uh, at the medalist which is why I kind of thought, man, why not jump on it and get back out there and play a, a tournament or two early on? It looked good, you know, but uh, I, I don't think there's any reason to think that he's, he's not ready to go. And, you know, the only issue is, is there's, there's, there's always some tournament rust you've got you've to chip away at. And, uh, you know, he hasn't played a tournament, a real tournament, since February. So, um uh, you know, you, you hope that that he that he that he plays decently and 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 takes advantage of of that because if he misses the cut, well, then now all of a sudden you're you're looking at uh, 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 you know not enough starts to be to to be ready and and not enough reps to be ready for for when the big stuff comes along. We're in conversation here with ESPN golf analyst. Bob Herrig and, and Tiger Woods does have a T9 and a 68 so far in 2020. Of course, the win back at the Zozo Championship. You mentioned it right there, the schedule. Do you see Tiger Woods playing again before the PGA Championship, perhaps at the WGC? I mean, the schedule is obviously very hard to predict, but do, do you see him just going straight to the PGA Championship from the Memorial? It's a good question because typically he doesn't play the week before a major, but he has played the WGC before the PGA Championship every time that he's been able to do it. I mean, if you, last year the WGC came after the, uh, the British, so that wasn't an option. 
but, but up until last year, this WGC event was was the week before the PGA Championship. Of course, there's a course that he loved, Firestone. He won there what seven, eight times, eight times, uh, and uh, so he was always going to return there. Uh, the, the course in Memphis, he's never played. Uh, so, but he did always play this event, and he always has been sort of loyal to, to world golf events. So I give it, I give it a chance. I don't think it's better than a 50% chance, but I do give it a chance. I think a lot ha- depends on what happens at the memorial. You know, if he struggles there, then then I think the chances increase. And playing in the heat's never a bad thing for Tiger. You know, I think he's shown that that's, that suits him better. And San Francisco, the, you know, the, the temperature ought to be a lot different. I don't think it'll be cold, though. I think it'll be really nice. So, uh, you know, and he knows Harding Park. It's not like he needs to go out there and get, it, get in, uh, you know, practice rounds. And, and he doesn't really like to grind through those anyway. So I do think it's possible. That would be the only place. He's not going to play Minnesota the week after uh, the Memorial uh, at least I, I would be stunned if he did. And then, you know, the other issue is, is after the PGA, two weeks later are three straight FedEx events. So if he plays Memphis, that, that suggests to me he's going to skip a playoff event because he's just not going to play, uh, you know, five events in six weeks. Um, he might not even play four, you know. So uh, uh, that's what you're looking at there. And, uh you know, maybe if he can earn some points here the next couple of weeks, it makes it easier for him to skip a playoff event. And obviously, he'd love to get back to Atlanta, which he missed last year. You uh, you said what took him so long. I could use that same phrase, Bob, for describing the announcement that the Ryder Cup was going to be postponed <laughs> a year. Were you at all surprised in any way, shape, or form? And was there ever a really a realistic chance that this was going to go ahead without fans? You know, I think I think all the options were vetted very carefully, and I think it's the reason it took so long uh, to come to this final official decision. Because as, as recently as a month ago, they were working on plans to try to have some spectators, and you know they were sort of up against it. For we have to make a call on this, we have to decide. You know, and and I think. Uh, it just became apparent it, it was too ambitious, you know. And so then the decision boils down to do we play it without fans or do we postpone it? Well, if you decide you're going to postpone it, you know, what everybody forgets is there's other entities involved, the European Tour, the PGA Tour because of the President's Cup. And I know a lot of people want to diss the President's Cup, but it's a big deal to the PGA Tour. And their players play in the Ryder Cup. And the, and the PJ Tour, uh, you know, reaps an enormous windfall from the uh, from the President's Cup. And after getting hammered here financially for 13 weeks, putting off that payday a year was probably not something they wanted to do. And so I'm guessing there was some sort of negotiation that went on there. I'm not sure if the PGA Tour is going to get a check from the PGA of America uh, or or what. But certainly, and also there's all the all the little details like, okay, well, now we got to reserve all these banquet rooms and hotel rooms and security and vendors. We got to, we got to erase all that and move it back a year. Well, you got to work that out. You know, what if they're, what if they're not available? What if they've already contracted for something the next year? 
are they can they get out of a contract? Obviously, there's no event, you know, so they're they're not going to be needed. Uh, so I think there's just so many things behind the scenes that they had to work them, their way through, which is why it took a while to get to this point. We're with ESPN golf analyst Bob Harrigan. Bob, you've obviously covered many Ryder Cups in person, Presidents Cups as well. For those who haven't been there, give us a sense of what the difference is like in atmosphere covering a regular tour event versus a Ryder Cup. Just how how crazy is it? Well, I think the best way to say that or describe that is is the first tee shot of the tournament on a Thursday morning or a Friday morning is is fairly benign. Usually you're going to have guys who are teeing off at that time who are not the top names. Um, there's going to be a dozen people there watching, a couple volunteers, you know, maybe family members, early risers, and it's pretty subdued. You know, it takes a little while to get into the day at a, at a tour event, no matter where it is, unless it's a major, then it's different. But the, the regular tour events, going to be a little while maybe 9 10 11 in the morning before it starts to fill up it starts to get loud people aren't paying that close of attention to what's happening at the Ryder cup at that first tee shot at 8 a.m friday morning the the grandstands around the first tee are packed there's been noise and yelling and chanting since since they place open and the guys step on that tee and they feel it and and every you know unlike a stroke play event that first point matters a lot, you know, and so the intensity is there the entire time. And I think that's the, the biggest difference. And, you know, you've got spectators that are just jammed in. I mean, you know, this is, this is the thing we just can't do right now. You know, you cannot have that. And it's really unfortunate, but you can't have 2000 people packed into a grandstand around a tee, you know, in, in this climate and during the pandemic, and so that's what they would be missing. But, you know, I, you sit there and you watch some of the highlights that you see, you know, looking back and you think, man, do it. you know, I, I even wrote about this yesterday. You know, sometimes the fan behavior goes over the edge and gets out of control. And I'm like, man, we would love to be having that conversation right now compared to what we're going through. Exactly. exactly. Um, that's uh, that's that's very, very poignant. What's it, what's it been like for you, Bob, to cover the tournaments? I know you've been out there at least once. I'm not sure how many times you've, how many events you've been out to cover, but both when you're at the tournament and now when you're not at the tournament, what's life been like for you as a, as, a, as someone writing about the game? Yeah, it's, I'll be honest, it's a struggle. I've been to one tournament, um, Hilton Head, uh, only because I could drive. They're not letting me get on a plane right now. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the company is being very, very cautious and they're being very, very, um, you know, sort of only granting those permissions where they think, where they deem it absolutely necessary. Um, and, you know, I'm sort of hoping as we go along, they, they, they free that up. And I mean, I, as someone who takes this very seriously, I understand. And so it's made it hard. I mean, um, I, I don't think I've written, I've ever written any more than I have in these last four months. Uh, even though I've had nothing to cover but one event. You know, the amount of things going on, the news, the thing, you know, the schedule changing, all the COVID, you know, protocols and you know, positive tests and, you know, events moving. It's been one thing after another. And, uh, you know, the one event I did go to, you know, we're very limited. 
You know, we're not allowed to talk to guys one-on-one. Everything has to be cleared. You know, all, all the interviews are done virtually except for, you know, what we call the flash interviews, which are the ones where, you know, a guy might not be in the lead, but he just comes and does the quick interviews. And we have a couple of pool reporters at those, and that's it. You know, and we're 20 feet away asking the questions. So, you know, it's hard to get anything for yourself. It's hard to work on the relationships that you have, although, you know, you could do that from a distance, but nothing officially is allowed to take place. So uh, it's, uh, you know, and, and, and reporters in other sports are going to face this. You know, we're seeing it already, you know, baseball, the NHL. I'm sure they are, all the interviews they will be conducting will be, will be virtually. You won't see locker rooms open to media. You know, it's, um, it's, it's tough. It, it makes it harder to do the job and to get what we need to get. But obviously in the big picture of things, you have to understand why it is this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's certainly a wild time right now. The fifth week in the PGA Tour resumption of play. Well, uh, Bob, we know you're a very busy man. Thanks so much for your time today and uh, all the best you're going forward. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Be well. That was ESPN golf analyst Bob Herrick. You can follow him on Twitter at Bob Herrick. On the other side, we're going to continue to update you on Mackenzie Hughes' final few holes at the Workday Charity Open. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf, pushing the boundaries in golf footwear once again with the all-new Code Chaos, meant to challenge the definition of what a golf shoe can be. Visit Adidas.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Zucchino is off today. This is our final afternoon show on a Tuesday or Thursday. Bob, you know why? Because Leafs Lunch is back on TSN 1050, 12 to 2, starting on Monday, every weekday, Monday to Friday, Leafs Lunch, 12 to 2. Bob, these weekday shows have been fun, though, haven't they? They have been. I think that Leafs Lunch thing is going gonna, is gonna to mean uh, an interesting uh, transfer because you see Dave Poole and I are members at the same golf club so mm. now I'm going to be able to play and he won't be able to play because he'll have to come in and work oh so that's, now so Dave Poole has been grinding he's been grinding on a short game and now Bob it's your <laughs> turn to get out more <laughs> than nine holes a week you have your your club championship now rescheduled <laughs> For Tuesday, uh, I'm sure you're very excited about that. Before we talk more about our own golf game, because I, I had quite a round yesterday, let's get hit some leaderboard updates here on the European Tour, the Austrian Open. Jos Lauten, your leader at seven under par. Miguel Angel Jimenez, three shots off the lead. And oh, Canada, the Workday Charity Open. Adam Hadwin, six under 66 in the clubhouse. Nick Taylor, five under 67, also in the clubhouse. Unfortunately, Mackenzie Hughes made a bogey on the 16th hole. He's two under, sorry, the 17th hole. He's two under with one hole to go. Also under par, David Hearn, Corey Connors, Roger Sloan is just on the golf course. Well, Bob, I mentioned you're playing in your club championship on Tuesday, and I um, I had quite a special round yesterday at Bayview Golf and Country Club. I, uh, a three under 
69. I was four under on the back side. I can't tell you the feeling of being so uncomfortable on the 18th well, tee. There's water left at Bayview. I was I was actually kind yeah. of terrified for the hole. It's that closing three holes at Bayview is a really good test, and they're not necessarily all long, but they're very strategic, and you must play them. and And they got rid of the dogleg par three finally, which made it into a nice, a really nice hole. But it's not an easy one. Um, none of those last three holes for me anyway are very easy. But tell me. Uh, you have been you've been knocking on the door with this under yes. par round for quite some time. So, t- mm-hmm. I mean, what is it? What what do you think was the difference to on your day? You know what? Honestly, Bob, it was as cliche as it sounds. Trying to play it one hole at a time, uh, just trying to stay in the moment. I've had so many times in the past where I've been one or two under par and think, okay, like if I can, you know, bury the par five in three holes and just sort of, you know. St- keep it keep it in neutral here i can you know come in and, and this was just one hole um at a time I, I hit 16 greens in regulation which is something i've never done before wow. so i was hitting the ball quite well i had 33 putts so imagine if i had you know cory pavin's putting stroke i mean we, we could have been talking about a seriously low round but it was uh, it was great to be under par First time at Bayview Golf and Country Club going under par. I've played at the course for I don't know, 20 years or so now, and and uh, it was a pretty cool feeling. The handicap dipped uh, 2.7 index now, so uh, starting to get a little lower. Going to have to give you a few more shots here, weeks. Yes. Here, but yes, I, uh, I'm I'm pretty pumped as well. I'm, I I've received an invitation to play TPC Osprey Valley tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Have you been out there, Bob? You know what. You and I oh, are, are playing together. Oh, okay. Wow. There you go. Okay, there you go. Well, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the facility for the first time. I've never been out there before. Oh, really? So, oh, yeah, it's lovely. Uh, Amazing spot. So I'm gonna spend I'm gonna spend the next uh, you know 18 hours or so just visualizing, just uh, trying <laughs> to play that that Bob Week silky smooth little cut out there. Looking forward to to seeing you. It's our first round of golf together, Bob, since uh, Carlsbad. That's right. We're looking forward to it. This is our. Fr- first post-pandemic round i'm gonna uh, i'm looking forward to that we're playing with uh ceo lawrence applebaum which i think is gonna be a fun yeah. day it's gonna be a great day well bob we'll see you tomorrow morning bright and early uh 8 a.m tea times so we'll be there bright and early and coming up on golf talk canada on saturday a special best of edition of the show we're gonna play some recent winners weird and what we're very likely gonna play the bob harrig interview that that uh, weeks and i just did and as well some other fun stuff we've done on golf talk canada including Hearing from TJ Rule from Golfway Tours about planning a trip within Canada once travel restrictions continue uh, to get a little better. Well, this has been another fun edition of Golf Talk Canada, our final afternoon show. It's been a blast doing these shows, but we'll see you Saturday morning right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Adidas Golf. Pushing the boundaries in golf footwear once again with the all-new Code Chaos. Meant to challenge the definition of what a golf shoe can be. Visit Adidas.ca. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.